Unfortunately, there is no new season of Vanderpump Rules available on Hulu yet. However, I have just finished the latest season of The Only Way is Essex. (laughs) So we can hop across the pond to meet new lovable idiots. All right. Let's start this thing. Okay, we're recording. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we talk about horror movies of the past and present. We're your hosts. I'm Richard, and with me are Jolian. Good evening. Will. Hello. And special guest Eugenia. Hello. Bonjour. All right. <laughs> we're all here, and we're going to talk about some movies. Um, oh, we don't want to call them documentaries because they're so accurate, do we? Oh, my God. They're so <laughs> accurate. They're the most accurate depiction of voodoo I've ever seen. Voodoo. We're going to be talking about <laughs> voodoo. And there, there is a... Um, Hey, there's a, <laughs> we summoned a dog with our powers. You want to let her in? I think we might no, as well. This no. happens like every other episode, right? He cuts all this out. Actually, She no. thinks she's on the podcast. <clears throat> well, she likes the podcast. I just don't know that she ever listens to it. And Leela. Okay, so she'll want out in 10 minutes anyway. Uh, we're a bunch of illustrators who do a podcast about horror movies. Let's just, we'll, we'll shorten that up for you. Spoiler warning, we'll tell you stuff about the plots and conclusions of these movies. So if you don't want to be spoiled about these movies, go back and watch them, then listen to this or, um, be spoiled. We're not film critics and, uh, we're not trying to be, we're just talking about movies. We want to thank the moon rays for their song intro creature features at the top of the show. And you can find their music at themoon-rays.com or on iTunes or Amazon or other places you can buy digital music. There we have it. Um, well, what have you watched since last time, Julian? Uh, well, in terms of horror, I've watched uh, Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. Um, <laughs> How was it? Uh, this series really should be direct-to-video now. Yeah. Uh, it's turning into like a, more of a normal horror movie, but... They're kind of using the found footage thing as, you know, to get out of characterization and plot and stuff. But um, it's got some good bits in it. Uh, Green Inferno. And? <laughs> How was that? Green Inferno, the tone is all over the place. It's kind of like uh, uh, there's this really gruesome scene around about the middle. I felt pretty nauseous in. So, you know, in terms of the John Waters idea of a good movie, that worked. But then it, <laughs> then it turns into kind of broken lizards cannibal holocaust um you know there's bits like oh this is supposed to be funny okay 
Uh, and uh, Dress to Kill, I watched that again on, because uh, Criterion brought it out on Blu-ray. Um, you know, it's great looking, incredibly silly uh, American giallo movie. And uh, Jellyfish Eyes, which is a Japanese movie um, by Takashi Murakami. Okay. Uh, and they have this like kind of subgenre now of um, a family with a missing father encounters some supernatural creature and who helps them to face life. And it's uh, probably the worst one of those I've, I've seen. It's got a good giant monster at the end, but uh, well, yeah. I didn't. I didn't really like it. You got your kaiju out of the deal, so yeah, not yeah. all is lost, right? Hmm. Will. Um. I don't know what I've watched recently. Oh, we watched uh, Better Call Saul. How did you like Better Call Saul? It was awesome. All right. Fantastic. Did you watch the Did you bomb through and watch the whole thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Banks. Uh, did you watch it? Yeah, I watched it as All it right. as it uh, aired. Oh, okay. And I got to say that um, between Bob Odenkirk as Saul, well, well Jimmy, Slippy yeah. Jimmy, he's not revealed to be Saul yet. So, in, unless you're already in on the whole Breaking Bad universe, uh, you don't really know and for why sure. Why wouldn't you be? Because you're, I don't know, a person who doesn't care about what you stick in your eye holes. Uh, I guess. <laughs> because if you're aware of Breaking Bad, you should just watch it. It's that good. Um, I'm looking, I'm actually cheating and looking through my phone. So when the question comes to me, I could be like, oh yeah, I totally watched this. Um, I don't know what I watched. What else did I watch? I don't know. So, um, Breaking Bad, most or better call Saul. Yeah, and uh, Mike, good old Mike Ermintrout. Man, that it guy makes me hate Walter White all the more. Right, <laughs> and we don't want to ruin anything for anybody, but go watch Breaking Bad and then watch Better Call Saul. It's worth it. And even if you have to skip Breaking Bad, just watch Better Call Saul. Exactly, you could. You could. The two different things could stand alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Since last time I know that, um, other than the movies that we're going to talk about, I started rewatching um, Dawn of the Dead, which I hadn't seen in a few years, um, the original. And now the dog wants out, I think. I'm not sure. Let's, let's get, wait till she barks at us. Okay. Make it more entertaining. Um, so Dawn of the Dead, I've been watching the series called The Man in the High Tower, The Man in the High Castle. Yeah. It, it's a big what if piece based on a Philip K. Dick novel mm-hmm. about uh, what if um, we didn't win World War II? Mm. What if the Allies lost and the Japanese took our our West Coast and uh, about to the Rockies and then the Reich took the East Coast all the way to the, what would be the DMZ, which is the Rockies? Mm. And it's 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 very interesting. I'm I'm not hating it. I'm kind of liking it. So. You can never judge based on the pilot alone. Yeah. So that's um, been kind of it for me. I watched that and uh, started watching The Shrine, but I think I mentioned that last time. I didn't get through it yet. The Shrine? It's a horror movie that's on Netflix. Oh, okay. Somebody on another podcast said something about it, and I went, oh, let me just add that to my list. <laughs> so we'll find out how good it is. <clears throat> so... Um, do we want to just start by talking a little bit about voodoo and what... Uh, yes, yeah, so this is the first of our voodoo specials. Yes, <laughs> voodoo specials. Our Super Bowl voodoo special. Super Bowl voodoo special. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah, we could be watching a bunch of pregame crap right now. Ooh. Yeah. But uh, we decided to spare ourselves <laughs> and do a podcast about voodoo instead. 
And I just knew there was going to be a huge line at Voodoo Donuts, so we didn't end up with Voodoo Donuts. Oh. <laughs> but we have Voodoo Brownies. Yes. <laughs> so there we have it. Now let me throw this out there to start with. When you see Voodoo portrayed in movies and television... Right. All you, you have should, to you do, introduce this. yes, Eugenia. Right. You're probably wondering why are they directing? Who are they directing these questions to, and why? <laughs> well, we hinted to this. We didn't name any <laughs> names, but we have Eugenia here, um, who who practices voodoo as yes. as a uh, a religion, as a belief, and uh, knows more about it than probably anyone listening to this. Unless we you tra- never know. <laughs> you don't. You know. never know. There might be voodoo. It, it could practitioners out there listening yeah and she's sure. got she's got a doll collection that looks eerily like us so we're going to be really <laughs> <It's> nice true. <laughs> <laughs> because that and uh chicken bones tied to things and uh skulls on sticks all this image see well, here's what i want to get to all it's such an easy get for anyone making entertainment to say oh make that stuff look like voodoo Sure. And I mean, we do use a lot of skull imagery because like in all African traditions, the dead are important. Yes. Um, but that's only one one section of it. That's only one area of it. And so there were just funny things like some things were accurate, like. I don't, I don't want to leap into the movie, but there were some of the or like the Tantan Maku. They did. Um, use a lot of that imagery because it was it was meaningful and it was scary um are we the baddies and, are we, they, they were the baddies but <laughs> but it wasn't so much that they're baddies i mean you're not necessarily a baddie you're just powerful mm-hmm. okay so that's there's a fine line difference there you're not a baddie you're just really powerful is, is there a difference is like the obey man is good and the hungan is bad or is, is that no obey man is in jamaica so i don't know how he even Got that's into not, this story. That's not a voodoo practitioner. No, Obeya is a Jamaican magical tradition. Oh, okay. I mean, they all um, have a lot of concepts in common because they're all derived from from Africa, hmm. because they're all um, practices that the slaves brought with them. But Obeya man came from Jamaica, so yeah. I don't know how okay. he wound up in the movie. I was, I kind of raised my eyes, eyebrows at that, like, oh, he's got a backstory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, he does. <laughs> Well, um, if you consider that Hollywood had a very long tradition of, uh, oh, if we're going to throw something about Chinese in here, eh, no one's going to know what that's all about. Yeah. They're it's all just yeah. mysterious <laughs> and weird, and they say and do funny things, well, and they look funny the and dress funny. With the dolls, that's, that's kind of universal sympathetic magic. It's like uh, universal. So people think they understand the specifics of voodoo oh absolutely like um dolls actually are bigger in like uh european traditions and the greek magical papyri and and all those traditions um the doll was hilarious actually (laughs) 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 that was just like that was hilarious and yeah, no. So we're oh, talking the, about Serpent and the Rainbow, right? Now. Yeah. No. The doll. I'm and, sorry. Uh, I'm I'm talking about I Walk with a Zombie, that who had the hilarious doll. And I want to have a word with the choreographer <laughs> that he's like, I mean, cause the, the dude is like, he's, he's really going after it. And he's like working it. He's got his arms going and his hands and mm-hmm. he's just doing his best modern dance. Oh, yeah. And this Barbie, he's, <laughs> he's coming closer <laughs> and closer. It, 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 yeah, they, they couldn't find a, a good doll, so they just had to rework a, a toy. Well, although 
you know, that's perfectly, it's not a voodoo practice really, but in other traditions, other magical practices, that's a perfectly mm. acceptable thing. You get a hollow plastic store-bought and, doll, and the, and you the, pop the little head off, you can pack it full of things, pop the head back on. That's really handy. Yeah. Um, get a doll that looks vaguely like your target. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, it's pale and it's blonde, so is she. Perfect. All right. <laughs> and that, that fella you're talking about, he's uh, the Sabreur? I don't know who he was it's supposed I've to be. I've seen him referred to as a sabreur because he uses the saber. That's not a thing. That's not a thing? That's not a thing. <laughs> okay. That was a... <laughs> All right. We've revealed... <laughs> we've revealed one He was very one. puzzling because I'm like, who is this goon in the dark suit dancing around with the saber? So I looked at the sources for, for this uh, movie. And uh, so the title comes from an article in American Weekly magazine by Inez Wallace which is apparently really bogus. Uh, it, you know, there's no first-hand uh, reporting in it. And then there was a, a book called uh, The Magic Island by William Seabrook, who was a traveler and an alcoholic and a cannibal. Who, yes. Uh, who, check, check, who, who check. Who brought out this book in 1929. And author. Uh, that was about Haiti. <laughs> uh, and he introduced the term zombie to the to like white mm-hmm. Western culture. Uh, and that was illustrated by Alexander King, so lots of the imagery comes from mm. from that. And then there was a Life magazine in 1937 where they, they talk about the Sabreur. Uh, so I'm not, so not saying these are accurate, I... but at, at, at the time, this movie would have been as accurate as they knew. So that's not a term, a title that I've heard used before. Now, within a, a house, a society, um, a societe, you will have people who have different positions, and one of them is La Place. And the La Place has a certain security guard-esque role, and they may do certain things with a machete or the flags at certain ceremonies. Not every ceremony, um, but just certain ones, maybe really big ones, really formal ones. Um, but it's a fairly small role, and he still wouldn't get to wear that snappy black suit, nor would he really want to. Um, <laughs> and, oh my gosh, the dancing was like, are they all on quaaludes? They're just so, like, strung out and slowed down and and really just, you know, who choreographed this? They had a lot of... A lot of jazz influence, didn't they? <laughs> well, where was it filmed? Well, this would have been filmed in California. Yeah, uh, there we go. Right. It was Hollywood. So, <laughs> so jazz dancers were probably more plentiful than were, voodoo I'm dancers. I'm sure they were very plentiful. They're just like, uh, make it look more uh, tribal. Yeah, because yeah. that, that one stretch of beach you can see in the, the she creature and, you know, tons mm-hmm. of films. Right. So, so basically... Um, Everything that you saw 10 years earlier in King Kong, as far as the dancing and whatnot. We'll just recycle some of that. Same dancers, you know, yeah. Deborah Paget and that Cobra thing. Same dancers, same choreography. Sure. Just just do that one again. So the inaccuracies are far and away more plentiful than any accuracies. Would we be safe in saying that with most movies portraying voodoo? Most of them, yes. I mean, yes, there's drumming, only way better. And yes, there's <laughs> dancing. Uh, only just Wait. not not that way, quite that way. 
they'll almost be act. They'll almost be not totally egregious, and then it's like, oh, that was too boring. Let's go crazy. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bleed something out and slather blood on ourselves and eat coals and stuff like that. You know, yeah, just like that. Right. The order in yeah. So it was kind of like when they're walking down that path, well, they're walking through the cornfield or the oh, sugarcane sugar field, <laughs> which I'm like, oh, is it children of the corn? But no, that's sugarcane. Okay. So they're creeping down the cane field path. And it's like, well, why did they have to go this way? Like, couldn't you just take in the road? Like, everybody knows where this is being held. You could have just walked down the road. <laughs> These or even gotten a ride, secretive. potentially. You know, there, there's a period, of, you know, there's been periods of history where um, there were movements to try to suppress voodoo and eradicate it. Right. Um, and I think that one of those might have possibly been during the American occupation in the 40s. But still, everybody knows where this is. You've got your, your one sad drummer in a suit who's not working very hard. Everybody can hear that, though. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you could have just walked down there, maybe even gotten a ride. <laughs> but then you'd lose that great scene where it's all the strange wind and the sugar wind cane. And the, and the I know. And their little, and their little chiffon badges that one of them flew off. But mm. thankfully, Carrefour didn't really look on the ball too much. Yeah, I looked so. up the uh, occupation as, as well because, um, you know, you get your first like the zombie uh, starts up with the, like a white zombie. Mm-hmm. basically and that was 30 32 and uh so the occupation was like just coming to an end um that was 1914 to 1934 mm-hmm. and uh so uh they they'd gone through they cycled through several dictators uh presidents and uh and then the latest one was uh called he was president sam okay he he'd just been killed by this uh, mob because he had ordered the execution of all these uh the the upper class in uh haiti um and uh, it was supported by the americans because the upper class were germans or germans who'd mixed with the local population and uh and they, they were doing pretty well and they had businesses and a lot of influence and and uh but they had ties back to the motherland and mm-hmm. um and uh you know the americans wanted to protect their own corporations and and you know the local industries so uh yeah yeah he 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 uh, ordered like 167 people killed and then this mob killed him immediately so the marines came in and the woodrow wilson said protect american and foreign interests yes we we've done a lot of that in haiti a mm-hmm. lot of it and to very 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 bad ends mm-hmm. uh, for haitians we've um destroyed a whole rice industry. Um, there was a period of time where no one could sell any products in Haiti that weren't made in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume that ended when we stopped making things. Uh, <laughs> then there was this sort of trumped up fear about swine flu, so we killed all their native pigs uh, in order, of course, to sell our own pigs that aren't suited for the tropics. Hmm. Um, yeah. So we're kind of a terrible neighbor. Yeah. Apparently, the once the officers went off to, to the Great War in Europe, like they really got out of control. Like the lower ranks were just uh, t- 
terrible. And uh, so they, they had to ban alcohol to the troops. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that that stopped them. But I noticed in the movie that they kind of displace it uh, to the British, which is another horrible colonial power, of course. But um, <laughs> uh, in the if you read the screenplay, you can read the screenplay online. Um, the uh, the US flag is explicitly in the harbour when mm-hmm. they arrive at the island. But that's all uh, removed and the... Uh, and the people have British accents and stuff like that. How interesting. <laughs> the, the movie was kind of confusing about who they wanted that family to be. You know, because at first you have, I guess, the older brother, you know, talking to the new nurse. And he's referring to, you know, our people, meaning the Haitians. But then it's kind of like the movie can't quite decide how Haitian they want this family to be. And they really have them sort of almost too foreign yeah it's it, kind of set on it goes beyond island, yeah, yeah it goes uh, beyond just being like upper class or creoles right and saint sebastian right to sort of not being certain like are they foreigners are they haitians but mm-hmm. upper class you know who are they and then they sort of do this they almost decide that they're haitian and then they say no i think we're going to portray them <laughs> as more foreign they're Haitian in zip code only, it seems. Right. They, but he starts off by, by sort of claiming, you know, the Haitians as, as, as them being Haitian, our people, when he's, t- you know, showing that statue of St. Sebastian, that fountain. With all the arrows stuck in it. Yeah. Yes. And it's a figurehead of a slave ship. Yes. Right. Which is um, very important to the history. Is that They do actually talk a little bit about that in the movie. And it was it was interesting the the woman who was getting the um, the ride the the nurse um, Betsy who was getting the ride to the plantation <laughs> when she hears from the driver of the little the little cart that um, that the people were brought there by slave ships and she responds. Well, they brought you to a beautiful place. Oh, that was great. It's like, oh, yeah, sorry about the whole slavery thing, but hey, look, it worked out. Yeah. You know? Nice here, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yada yada slave ships. Uh, look how nice this is. Oh, it's tropical. Well. Yeah. <clears throat> and, of course, his response was, if you say, miss. If you yeah. say, miss. Yeah. <laughs> well, she's, she's portrayed as being so naive. Well, know. she is, which, yeah. you know, she she's fairly blameless for being that naive. I don't think she's got a lot of this information at her fingertips. Oh, she's from, where is she from? Uh, Canada. Yeah. Uh, in in the screenplay, there's like a uh, an opening and an ending, which is set in um, where she comes from. Um, let's see. Yeah, I don't know where in Canada, but. He, he he says, I'm going to send you back to Canada at some point. I think that's the only yeah. reason I, I remember. Yeah. They're Don't like, send me back to the oppressor. I know. No. They're going to make you drink maple syrup and listen to Rush. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Actually, that mm. doesn't sound no, like fun. I mean, the, the two things individually, maybe you might have a place for them, but. Yeah, Maybe the maple syrup would be okay, but ooh, rush. I don't know, man. I'll tell you anything you want to know. <laughs> yeah, you can find the script on uh, dailyscript.com, and, then, and there's like a framing scene in Ottawa. Oh, okay. So where she, where she gets the job, she's sent down to uh, this island, and then you know, there's the ending. We were joking about how much she could put away drinking, and that perhaps she had lost her job in Canada. And could only find work in Haiti because mm-hmm. she had killed a couple of patients. <laughs> like, oh no, that's got two ounces of rum in it. Yeah, she, she makes I, some, I, I need six ounces of rum. 
<laughs> I can measure rum with my eyeball. <laughs> uh, so um, this plantation looked pretty dinky to me. I, I, I was you know, whenever they do a plantation in a movie, it's usually this sprawling estate with We're, columns out front. This is a low budget movie. Uh, see, we don't have gonna... that much budget for acreage. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah this this movie was pretty low budget. It's pretty budgy. Well, this whole Val Luton series of movies. There are three rules for him, and apart from that, he could do what he likes. Um, so uh, the first rule was it's got to be less than $150,000. All right. So that's like above PRC and one gram, but it's way below. You know, Val Luton had just come from MGM. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second rule was it's got to be less than 75 minutes. And then the third rule was uh, his superiors gave him the titles. He didn't have a choice. So oh, wow. he, he got titles like I Walk With a Zombie and Bedlam. and Did he have to like find a script to go with it? Well, he was given the title and then, then that was... So, he, he, so he gets a title and then mm-hmm. he has to make a movie like I Walk yeah. With a Zombie, go. Right. You know. So so they, the producers had, the, the studio had this uh, rights to this magazine article called I Walk With a Zombie. And, um, and then they said, oh, you know, you've got to go with that. And uh, he was this like really real, well-educated like Russian immigrant, and uh, <clears throat> but he he saw that he could he could make something literate and high quality and be kind of subversive about it and give them something really good that they weren't expecting. And uh, and luckily for him, the first couple of movies, like the first movie was Cat People, and that was a huge hit. You yeah. know, that, that was made for you know so less than one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and it made over four million dollars in wow. nineteen forty-two. So. Not, not adjusted, but the actual, that's how much it made mm-hmm. then. Wow, that's a lot of money for nice. that. Yeah. That would be like $600 trillion today. Right. <laughs> I'm just doing the math in my head, roughly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you can watch this. There's this documentary about Val Luton. Um, it turns up on TCM every Halloween. And uh, if you watch The Bad and the Beautiful, you know, that kind of noirish mm-hmm. uh, yeah. movie. The Kirk Douglas character in that is based off. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I remember wondering who that was based right. on. Now, speaking of cat people, did anyone notice that the um, the the brother with the accent, the the taller one, mm-hmm. his mustache kind of looked like if a kid was going to be a cat for Halloween, they would draw that little thing on their lip. Um, this is Tom Conway. Tom Conway. Tom Conway is Paul Holland. He Tom was, he the was cat in the Cat Conway. People. He was in the Seventh Victim. Um, so they're both Val Luton movies. See my note there. Oh, yes, <laughs> I'm a cat. I'm a cat. Yeah, and uh, so he was playing the sober brother, but in real life, unfortunately, he was an alcoholic. And... He's like, play sober. Well, I'm so, gonna have to stretch uh, my acting abilities here. <laughs> so he was the uh, his younger brother was George Sanders, so another golden throat of Hollywood, and uh, Tom Conway would take over his roles. Like he he replaced him as the Falcon. He replaced uh, Basil Rathbone as Holmes on radio. Uh, and he he stepped in for Bulldog Drummond and the Saint, um, and uh, he was in Cat People and the Seventh Victim, both both of which featured him as a character named Doctor Lewis Judd, hmm. not related to each other for some reason. But then you know because of his drinking and so on, he he was you know he went way lower budget than this movie. So he was in like The Bride of the Gorilla and <laughs> The She Creature and Voodoo Woman. And if you think this movie has a poor picture of voodoo. <laughs> you just see the voodoo woman. And come on, you can't legally marry a gorilla anyway. So <laughs> Francois had a very high opinion of himself because I was trying to figure it out, but it seemed like the nurse had been there for about three days before he's like, you're in love with me. Yep. You're in love with me. I thought you were in love with me. And she's like... And then she ba- he basically tells her, 
I'm a jerk, and I'm going to hurt you, so I'm going to send you away. I can't change my jerky behavior. <laughs> That's very noble, but isn't it? But I can it? warn you of it. <laughs> Back to Canada with you. <laughs> Everybody did seem to be up to something. Like, when, yeah. when she first arrives there, it's like, everybody seems like they know something they're not telling. And then this isn't helped by the fact that everywhere she goes, there's these dramatic shadows mm-hmm. from the, um, the I don't know if they're louvered windows or just blinds. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Everywhere she goes, there's like Slatted this. shadows are everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. That, that looked cool, if nothing else. Yeah, Beautiful. Did. Yeah. It did. Um, yeah. I liked the, uh, the fact that the singer was always trying to warn her and tell the story about what was really going on. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Lancelot. And he wasn't really veiling it either. It was pretty <laughs> explicit. Like, you were supposed to tell me he was here. <laughs> Let me go apologize. He's a Sir Lancelot, and that song's called Shame and Scandal in the Family. So, yeah, yes. he, he wasn't dodging the issue here. He's like, well, let me use a bunch of symbolism here. Uh, nope. Nope, not going to do that. Um, now, I, I did have a thought earlier when you were talking about what looked like cornfields but turned out to be cane fields. I think the reason for those was really just to have a place to hide this impossibly tall seven-foot zombie man mm. oh yes i mean uh, you, you got to use this image somewhere and you backlight him with a full moon yeah, it's great I mean, it looks fantastic do, you probably know jolian has he did he go on to do other roles so he's darby jones darby jones yeah so uh darby jones playing car four which is crossroads as you know very significant in... it is actually the name of the crossroads yeah. itself okay but not a person well isn't there everything a lord, lord ha- ev- of the everything has a spirit. Carrefour is the spirit of the actual crossroads. He doesn't mm. necessarily own them, isn't necessarily in charge of them. He is them. Mm-hmm. Just mm. a little fine point of, of detail there. <laughs> it seemed like he had a, a lot of response. I wouldn't give a zombie that much responsibility. Yeah, they might really I'd, fumble it, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd have a zombie like, you know, like a manual labor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd have him, you know, looking for badges. As we see, yeah. a badge blew off and he didn't, you know, seem to care. So he could be pulling weeds or doing some plowing. Precisely. That kind of thing. So, yeah, so this actor is uh, Darby Jones. So he's in a bunch of Tarzan movies. Ah. Wow. Tarzan the Fearless, Tarzan Escapes, Tarzan's New York Adventure, Tarzan Savage Fury. Oh, the Johnny Weissmuller Tarzan. Yeah. The good one. Uh, and he's in uh, A Day at the Races, Marx Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which wow. is on TCM on the 19th. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, good. We have time. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've got plenty of time. Uh, and uh, yeah, so after, after this movie, so this was uh, 1943, uh, then he was in this movie called Zombies on Broadway, which is set on a... S- the most accurate depiction of <laughs> yeah. voodoo on the silver it, screen. It yeah. is incredible. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> a lot so, of high kicks. So I Walk With a Zombie is set on Saint, Saint Sebastian, and then Zombies on Broadway starts off on San Sebastian. Mm. And Darby Jones plays you know, basically the same character, but he's called Kalaga. And uh, Sir Lancelot is in that as well. But, but Zombies on Broadway, a pair of comedians come to the island and they take him back to... Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> that that the sounds worth a look for sure. That sounds all right. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a great movie. <laughs> Who are the comedians? <laughs> I forget. It's, oh, that it, good. It's not like Abbott and Costello. It's like yeah. a sub Abbott and Costello. Oh yeah, the the, the budget version. <laughs> when um in this in this uh, movie, I walked with a zombie. When we see um Betsy out and about in her nightgown. 
there's a woman creeping up on her, which we find out later is uh, Miss Jessica. Uh, I'm still haven't found the levels on the on the TV. Uh, I got my eardrums blown out by her scream. Oh. I don't know if anyone else experienced that. Um, but then when everyone comes running, the note I made for myself was Paul has a smoking jacket style robe. Of course. Yes. Everyone has <laughs> gowns like you, you'd have in the, in the Caribbean, you know, Cause it's but, chilly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. They're wearing three piece suits the rest of the time. Hats, you know, all made of wool. Do you notice when, uh, Betsy first sees her. She's got the the like the classic ghoulish makeup, right? Mm-hmm. And then when the everyone else comes in and she calms down a little, she's back yeah, to normal. Yeah, she looks normal. Yeah. So that are we talking about perception? Or are we just? Uh... Well, she's really frightened at the time. I think it works as a kind of subliminal. That, I like that. She just knows there's something wrong. <laughs> and uh, after that part, they go look at the figurehead of St. Sebastian with the arrow stuck in it, and the maid brings some food, and uh, and they talk a little about Miss Jessica, so we get some exposition about who she is and what's up with her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, at this point, are we to understand that she's been zombified, or do we think it really was just a fever? Did anyone have a final conclusion on that? Well, at that point, I mean, I'm the title kind of makes you think, well... Okay, we don't know how or why yet, but clearly she's a zombie. Right. Mm. You know, so and they even joked about, about it. Fevers and, you know, Tropical maybe she fever. had one. Yeah, the doctor, but, the, yeah, the doctor joked about her. Yeah, maybe she's a zombie, har mm-hmm. har har. But really, I mean, as the story goes on, it turns into really a classic a classic story about another evil character. Mhm. The husband the mother-in-law. Oh, okay. <laughs> or the was... mother. Wasn't she their mother? She's Well, she's Miss Jessica's mother-in-law. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. So, <laughs> the monster-in-law. Talking about the Mrs. Rand character. Yeah. yeah. Terrible woman. Yeah. But but she's she's endeared herself to the voodoo people, and um, which people would do in these old movies? Her, her dead husband was a missionary, Christian missionary. Oh. Well, that's perfect right there. She's, Terrible woman. She's she was played he, by uh, Edith Barrett, who was in the Mercury Theatre troupe, where she met Vincent Price. Oh wow! Who she was married to at the time. Interesting. Yeah. Now, do you do you suppose this um this dead husband was maybe boiled in a giant cauldron <laughs> over a fire by some people in grass skirts? We can it? only hope. Okay. <laughs> you know, because I figured that had to be what You're happened. The expert. I. That's what I would prescribe. I mean, that's definitely what I would recommend. Now, were the, do you suppose they were a bone through the nose tribe or not a bone through the nose? Never seen anybody there with a bone through the nose. So I'm going to have to say they're not really into body modification. No, I'm, I'm picturing him being on a different mission elsewhere. Oh, a different mission, like in Polynesia. Or You're right. Like. He could be in Papua New Guinea. Why or didn't someplace. they use uh, uh, old age makeup on this? actress why yeah. didn't they cast someone she's like two years younger than her son <laughs> yeah right. i read that too that's yeah. amazing and then they just like did some kind of theatery makeup old age makeup on mm-hmm. her it and gave her really bad hair less than convincing wasn't wasn't there some movie where mel gibson and another and an actress who's like two years older than him yeah it happens a lot you know played his mother right <laughs> that would be yeah. very upsetting you, um i gave a little pointer to a nephew of mine several years ago when he said ma'am to a i think to a bartender i said you say miss if she's old enough to be your mom say miss 
I promise you, you'll get better service. <laughs> it's just going to go better. Just don't say ma'am unless they're yeah. old enough to be your great-grandmother. Then you might say ma'am. Unless you're from the South, then you just say ma'am to everybody. Except men, then you say sir. Right. Um, wow. We're not too far off topic. Um, so Rand is... Um, okay, so Rand is the guy who's kind of the more uh, creative-minded. And Paul is the more stodgy. Rand, Rand is the woman who's the she's she's operating through the voodoo ceremony to. You know, like yeah, she yeah she's the one hiding in that room except for when she says the heck with it and just pops out of there mm -hmm. to join the ceremony because it's like it's that important. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm, I meant Wesley Rand. Um, okay, Wes. We'll call him Wes or Wesley. Um, so he's the more creative minded of the two brothers. Oh, right. Yeah. He's, he gets Steve top billing. Although, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the, uh, he's the brother. He gets top billing, but he's, he's mostly done Westerns and, uh, support characters. He was like in the Hopalong Cassidy series. Oh, uh, but yeah, he, he, you know, he's not so well remembered today as, as the other actors. Things do get forgotten along the way. <clears throat> um, so um, apparently Wesley is is then exposed to be the drinker, which you, you mentioned earlier was kind of ironic since the other brother is in real life, the booze hound. Mm. Um, and they removed the decanter from uh, the table, mm -hmm. uh, even after he said he wasn't going to. After much argument. Yes. Okay, fine. We'll take the <laughs> decanter off the center of the dining room table. There's no way he's going to walk across the room. <laughs> no. To that... That uh, ledger over there, or, or that the uh, sideboard, he won't yes, make it to the, the side bureau. Board. It's over by the Davenport. No, <laughs> I can't go that far. <laughs> so, um, is there any is there any sort of uh, usefulness to booze in voodoo? Oh yes, booze is very useful. <laughs> Tell us about it. Um, well, so just about all spirits will take some form of alcohol. Um, interesting spirits, that alcohol is called a spirit. You know, everyone from, you know, scotch distillers talking about like, well, I think an angel is coming down and drinking some of this scotch right. out of these sealed kegs because it's so casks, rather, because it's so good. An, an angel you know? named Jim. <laughs> <laughs> um, to all alcohol. So just about, I mean, there's a few exceptions, some big exceptions, actually, but almost every spirit... Um, likes a bottle of alcohol as a payment, as, you know, you want to get to know somebody, yeah. pour them a drink. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, and the fact that uh, Haiti produces sugar cane, so they produce the best rum in the world. Yes. Um, you can, uh, the Barbancourt Company, Haiti's most famous uh, rum distiller, has a duty-free shop at the Port-au-Prince Airport. Nice. Where you can get a really good deal on this little, like, cardboard suitcase that holds, I don't know, five or six bottles of rum. Oh, wow. nice. Very nice deal. <laughs> They've got the same same kind of a deal in Hawaii, but it's pineapples, so it's not nearly as exciting. Yeah. <laughs> you could buy a four-pack of pineapples. All right, cool. Um, it's not rum, but okay. And on some flights, you can buy your little suitcase and, you know, they'll they'll write it all down, like what your flight is, and they'll bring it to you once you've boarded the plane, which is oh, convenient. excellent. Do you have to use those Beatles stairs? Or do you actually have a jetway? No, you have a jetway. Wow, it's come a long way since this movie. Yeah, no, you have a jetway now. 
You have to climb like some wooden ladder or no, use the beetle stairs. Although a few years ago, I actually took a flight in the U.S. where I had to use the beetle stairs. And I think everyone knows what we're talking about when we say the beetle stairs. The they're famous pi- famous picture of the Beatles yeah. when they came to the U.S. Um, you go outside onto the tarmac and yeah. then up the little stairs. Yeah, we, where did we fly? Did we fly to El Paso or something? We. It, it may have been. Know, was it, was it some... Pittsburgh? It was sometime, yeah, we had to go out to the, it was a small like, airport. out onto the tarmac. And mm-hmm. It was here from DIA, though. Oh, I, oh, I bet it was Frontier. They, ha- they have a Beatles stairs situation. One time the, I... The very far end of the airport. I flew Frontier out of El Paso, and they had sawhorses <laughs> at the de- where the <laughs> desk would be, and uh, plastic sheeting hanging down, and exposed drywall, and it looked like it was... Like the little rascal started an airline. <laughs> yeah, like the worst mom and pop store. And it was terrible because then there was you you went through like the sheeting area and then there was this long, like hot and uninsulated corridor you had to kind of wind your way through out to the tarmac. Did yeah. not inspire confidence. No. <laughs> and w- was it a proper jet or, or did we have propellers? <laughs> I believe it was a proper jet. Okay, good. <laughs> and there wasn't a thing on the wing? No. Good. And gremlin. We, yeah, we went through this. Yeah. It, yeah, it's terrifying if you think about it. But anyway, yes, bottle of rum always comes in handy. Good. No I think matter the dog needs to go out now. Exactly. I'll let her out. And I'll kill that heat too while we're out. First, I'll edit out this mumbling and trick. Sure. No, you won't. Mm-hmm. Or not. It depends on how funny it sounds. We have a bunch of listeners. <laughs> Just hit fast forward if you're listening to this. <laughs> right. If I've left this in somehow. No, nope, keep going. These things are getting easier to edit. <laughs> and speaking of the utility of alcohol, um, one of the sad things about this movie was the drummer. So you had one really unmotivated guy drumming and he's wearing a suit and he's just you know he's not really getting too into it just one guy and i'm like really you need at least three i mean you're in haiti there's drummers all over the place get yourself at least three drummers crawling with drummers these guys work hard i mean they're not wearing a suit they're they're in t-shirts and they're working they are working so hard that people will go up to them with a bottle of alcohol and hold it up to their mouth so that they can drink without missing a beat. Nice. That's really cool. That's very nice of them to do that. Mm-hmm. You got to treat your drummers right. That's like um, behavior you would expect from a roadie, you know? Yeah. Uh, so all in all, um, the drumming that was, we'll just kind of jump over to the serpent and the rainbow. Was the drumming a little, uh, a little more like what you'd see there? I was so blown away by the dinner theater setting. <laughs> yeah. That I'm not certain that I remember the drumming. The street cafe version of what happened. I know they were using drumsticks, which seemed odd. Um, some drums you do um, play with a stick, and mm-hmm. some drums you don't. Uh, so that's why there's usually three, and I... Um, this is not my area of expertise, so I don't remember it. But there's like each drum of the three drums has a name. And some of them, like the smaller ones, I think you can beat with a stick. It also has to do with what rhythm you're playing if you use a stick mm. or just hands. Yeah. So. But no dinner theater. 
but usually not in a dinner theater <laughs> setting, which was so disappointing. I they cut you know they they cut to the scene and we see the um, obviously possessed person, you know, eating this burning piece of wood. Yes. And I'm like, oh hey, is that supposed to be Tijan? We've come in at the Petro part of the party. All right. And then they pan back, and I'm like, oh, no. Why is it in a dinner theater? Why is it in a restaurant? And then it goes just into, you know, carnivalness. Right. And then, like, they're so they're obviously, um, you got a spirit eating a, a burning piece of wood. You've entered the hot part of the ceremony. Okay. And in voodoo, everything is hot or cool. Okay. So, and you go from cool to hot, and you know, go from cool to warmer to to hottest. So they're obviously in the hot part of the party. Okay. And now we're just going to accost this lady, his the the nurse lady, doctor, um, mm-hmm. our anthropologist friend, and say, <clears throat> "Oh, let's let's call Erzuli Freda, the spirit of love." Like. I'm sorry, you're past that part of the party. She's not coming to this party. It's way too hot. <laughs> this is not her her scene. You've already missed that part of the party. Sorry, you can't do it. Wow. So they, they really did not do their research, or at least they did not apply their research. They did not apply their research. Or it, or it fell prey to editing. But that, wasn't that one based on a book by somebody <clears throat> who had actually been it, to Haiti? Yes, but if you watch it, it says inspired by the book okay, so Serpent and the Rainbow by... Inspired. Okay. Yeah. Wade uh, Davis. Wade, Wade Davis. Yeah. He wrote two books. Uh, the more academic version of the book is like Passage into Darkness, mm-hmm. Passage of Darkness, something like that. Then his more popular novelized take on it, I guess where he gets to be like the love interest and whatnot. It's been a while since I read it is Serpent and the Rainbow. And then I guess the movie takes it even a step more removed from okay. that book. Right. Now, <clears throat> to bring us back to I Walked with a Zombie, um, we didn't get to the part of the movie yet where they go, they, where they actually arrive at the home front. And there's all of this, um, or maybe we did briefly talk about this, but uh, they encountered the, the tall zombie man a second time, or at least... The audience sees him a second time just before he allows passage to this place, this place that's kept secret and mm-hmm. secluded. Okay. Um, and then all of this stuff, if you were to look at it or read it on a page, it just seems like it's written for a movie. The drumming, the singing, the anointing, the tranced woman collapsing to the ground, people flailing and dancing, as you pointed out, not very well or very I accurately. Mean, people can flail around a bit. Okay. Um no rule against it. It's, it's it's like Burning Man. There's no rules to how you dance, right? <laughs> um, but the people um, line up to touch their faces to this spider web design on a wooden door. That's not a thing, is it? I've never seen anybody do that. <laughs> okay, that that felt to me. I don't I don't know a lot about voodoo, but that seemed kind of. Uh, Kind of like, uh, yeah, nobody knows anything about this stuff. Let's throw that in there. You said home front. Did you mean that word they kept trying to use? The, the unfo, the unfort? Yeah, they, they, they were saying home fort. I'm sorry, I said home front. The hunfort. Yes, hunfort. Now, I, ha- I think I have a glossary of terms here where that's what talked that about. Mean? But yeah, tell us what it means. That's a place where there's an unfo. Oh. oh. <laughs> and what is that? Basically, that's where you have a shrine and a place to hold ceremonies. But they, they said it so, you know, intensely. like. Oh, but it could be any place you designate, right? Right. 
Right. And you got to have a certain kind of setup. You got to have the space. You got to have um, a shrine room. You got to have a place for your drummers. You know, a, a peristyle, which is where they like do the dancing and the drumming. This whole compound is your unfort. Okay. And so they they just went with the next closest thing they were familiar to say. And then, of course, we did talk about the sword guy. Does he ram that through her arm? Did I see that correctly? He's testing whether she's actually dead or not. Oh, okay. You know, it looks like he's actually stabbing her, but yeah. she doesn't show any That's what I thought damage. I saw. Well, they, they make a big deal. Like, oh, she doesn't bleed. She's a zombie. Mm-hmm. But then she walks away and she's got this big bloody stain on her dress. And I'm like... Wait, um, Slow seepage maybe didn't count. So he... Felluton gets this article handed to him. It's called I Walk With a Zombie. It's it's pretty bogus. And uh, they say, make a movie. We'll give you very little money. Go away, <laughs> make a movie. And uh, and Cat People is still in production when he's given this, so he doesn't know it's going to be this huge hit. Oh, okay. Um, but he's he's like this educated guy. He, he, uh, he thinks, well, I'll, I'll make something quality. So... Uh, Although there's there's this uh, he's seen these articles in these various you know, magazines and so on, um, he's actually referencing classics of Gothic literature. Uh, so so this this white zombie figure, uh, the Jessica character, uh, he's actually thinking of Jane Eyre and Rebecca and Turn of the Screw. Okay. I was going to say it had a very Rebecca esque yes. quality. Yeah. It was definitely Rebecca. So Rebecca, that that just been published uh, like five years, four or five years before, definitely De Maurier. Mm-hmm. Uh and in that one you have an idealized dead wife, wife character yes. uh, who turns out to be not so ideal. Right. Uh, as you as you progress, uh, Jane Eyre in part three where she comes to Thornfield Hall and she falls in love with Rochester and so on. Um, uh, there's this first wife character who's who's mad, and mm-hmm. uh, Jane Eyre compares her to a vampire, in fact, very explicitly. Um, and interestingly, uh, after I Walk With a Zombie, it came back around again because the woman who plays uh, Mrs. Rand is in the movie of Jane Eyre in 1944. And then in... Um, uh, and then in the 60s, again, 1966, this novel called Wide Sargasso Sea comes out, which is a kind of backstory of, it's, by, it's written by Jean Rhys, uh, which is the backstory of this Creole woman from Jamaica who becomes Bertha, the mad woman in Jane Eyre. And wow. That's wow. really a nice sort of elegant reference, and he's referencing all those things, and you mm. can really see it. And you've got I the mean, naive governess and so on. Right. And then also in Turn of the Screw, you've got uh, the Henry James uh, story. Uh, this naive governess is brought to a mansion where there's children, and there's like this dark backstory, and there's maybe there's ghosts there. You're mm-hmm. never sure. Mm. But yeah, yeah. so that's all feeding into it. And so that's, that's where this Jessica character has come from. Now, Julian, do you feel it's fair to say that... Um, that Val Luton did the best he could with what he had as far as understanding and, portray- and you watch, portraying. You watch uh, like um, a movie from that same time, like uh, Revenge of the Zombies, uh, and you see how people with the low budget can make a really cruddy <laughs> <laughs> uh, like movie that references voodoo and, and zombies and so on. And he could have done that. 
they right. would have made a bit of money because it was made so cheaply. He could have just done that and walked away. Well, considering that it was in a time when a Chinese person wasn't even being understood uh, as having a proper culture and maybe, a, you know, other than traditional clothes. Yeah, yeah all, these, all these other uh, voodoo movies of the 40s, like the Ghostbreakers and so on, you'd always have a character like uh, Willie Best, Manton Morland, stuff like that. Uh, and they're, they're, they can be amusing guys, you know, like whenever Manton Morland turns up, he's, he's the funniest guy on the screen at that yeah. point, you know, he's, he's like the smart guy in the, in the bunch. But um, yeah, there's no, there's no one like that in I Walk With A Zombie. Um, you've got the Teresa Harris character, and she she played so many housemaids. She just got sick of it and walked away from movies. <laughs> but wow. she was imagine uh, that when she's in the Val Luton movie, she's given more. She's like this, this character who's taken seriously, and so she's in uh, she's in Cat People and Phantom Lady, and uh, she's in uh, these these pretty good um, movies from the '30s cycle of voodoo uh, films. Uh, she was in uh, Drums of Voodoo and uh, Black Moon, which has uh, Fay Ray in it. Um, and they're, they're pretty good atmospheric movies. I definitely recognize that it could be way worse. Oh, like, yeah. Even though I nitpick, especially things, given and its I'm time, like, really. And they did disappoint me because the first time they talk about voodoo, they're sitting at the dinner table and it's just the family and the and the nurse. And it wasn't an unreasonable, like short, simple, but not unreasonable. Um, synopsis of what voodoo is so i'm like okay so mm. that's not terrible and then it does kind of degrade a little but it's never treated as it. evil though no evil. i mean maybe a bit silly or ineffective or you know of course it's a primitive superstition which is the way all of these well the way you know european and, and american attitudes are at this point in time well, there is but sort it could of that, be way worse. There, there is sort of the big evil bring around at the end with the the doll that that seems to be controlling the person with the arrow, or I don't even it... was the doll even that evil? Like they have like, hey, <laughs> we know there's a zombie on the loose. Something's got to be done about her. And, and this Agreed, guy, right? So he, sure. he kills this guy who's got this. He's he's headed for death. You know, he, yeah. he's he's doomed. He knows it. So I mean, now. It's not very effective because the doll zombie is stymied by that gate. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, but I wasn't like, you know, okay, you've got a, you've got this thing out there. Yeah, you, and this, this, these are movies made by really uh, great people. Is the director is Jacques Tourneur, so you know, you know him from like Out of the Past. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, uh, son of Maurice Tourneur. Um, so he did Out of the Past, Cat People, Leopard Man, Night of the Demon. Okay. So, yeah, yeah he's he's a great director. And uh, you've got Val Luton, you've got uh, Roy Webb doing the music, you've got um, J. Roy Hunt for t- you know, photography. The editor is Mark Robeson, who went on to become an excellent director himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he worked on Isle of the Dead. You, it looks you, good. Isle of the Dead is another Val Luton movie. And if you look <clears> in the bedroom of Jessica, there's the painting, there's the Arnold Brooklyn painting on the wall. Mm-hmm. Isle of the Dead, like one of its five versions. I'm not okay. sure exactly which one. Um, I yeah, saw the, I saw the, that in the notes somewhere on, on on a website, and I thought, well, this has got to have some other meaning to it. Yeah, and it's, they, it's, they refer to it's that the painting. general atmosphere of morbidity and yeah. people were heading towards death. And some could even say that you know, 
you know, Jessica, they turned her into a zombie. All right, but she doesn't do much. She, mm-hmm. you know, she lies about a lot, <laughs> wanders around, scares people. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the real horror, the real horror that Haitians have about zombification, and this is touched on a little bit more in the next movie, is that it's slavery. Mm-hmm. Right. Your will is taken from you. You're sort of in limbo. And you are enslaved. For a people right. who were enslaved and underwent horrors and brutality and had to endure even more to become free, this is the worst thing. You would rather be dead. Mm-hmm. Walking into the ocean and drowning or being shot with an arrow, that's all <laughs> nothing in compared to being zombified, to being enslaved again. Because you're somewhere in between the living and the dead. Because you're enslaved. Yeah. You've lost your will. Yeah. You're, you are a slave. That is the worst thing that can happen to a person. There you go. Um, probably the most, and correct me if I'm wrong, probably the most offensive language that was used in this was um, one of the um, one of the characters referred to voodoo as some of this native nonsense. If I remember correctly, it was a... It was the mom. The yeah, she says something about yeah. savages too. Yeah, and that was where I, I was like, okay, you didn't start off that bad. Why did we have to go here? I'll just hate that character. But she, but she comes back more. around to sort of be an ally, but but she's sort of patronizing everyone. Of course, which I mean, that's the that's the story of white people in Haiti. <laughs> Not really. Getting in and understanding everything very well. But, you know, they know all about it. And they know better. So you can't just tell somebody to boil the water. It'll kill, you know, the parasites and the germs and the dirt in it. Mm. No, no, no. We have to fool them. We've got to fool them. (laughs) So, um... So this movie, when it all comes around, is is we see Wesley trying to um, talk Betsy into euthanizing Jessica. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. well, it's so it, sick. Or or murder, as we would call it in in, in, yeah. in, in the now nowadays time. <laughs> in the now times, we refer to that as murder. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, well, she's in love with Paul. Okay, well, fair enough. Naturally, how, how could she resist? Right. Um, and of course, um, Wesley hears the drums, takes an arrow from the figure, and simultaneously stabs um, Jessica as the as the guy in the ceremony uh, is stabbing the doll. Do mm-hmm. I have that right? Yeah. And then carries the body to the ocean. Um, the the tall man follows, and uh, and there we have people with torches spearfishing and singing, and they find her. Mm-hmm. Um, they carry her back to the plantation, and we zoom in on the figurehead, and there's an abrupt ending here. The movie's just over. Yeah. Jessica's funeral wasn't going to be that exciting, so. <laughs> right. Well, She'd been dead for a while. So in, in the screenplay, you see, um, uh, uh, you see the uh, Francis D, the Betsy Connell character, uh, and uh, Paul Holland uh, back in Ottawa, and they've he's he's got his like sugar import business going. And uh, they refer to Mrs. Rand having gotten better and recovered. Oh, well, how convenient. Oh. Wow, okay. <clears throat> and they all lived happily ever after. Yeah. Uh, did uh, Did you all enjoy the look and feel of the movie? Uh, uh, inaccuracies aside. Actually, I did. Mm. Yeah, it I think looks it's wonderful. Great. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorites. Yeah. 
I enjoyed watching it. Um, I could see things that I knew, you know, what little I do know about voodoo. I could see things that I knew probably weren't accurate and it didn't take me out of the movie. Um, I would say, uh, I didn't really believe, um, Betsy being in love with the one brother over the other, <laughs> but well, she's, she's kind of dithers between them at the start. And then yeah. the, then the other guy's like passing out over the table on their first date. And <laughs> well, yeah. And I think, okay, I'll go with the other. Yeah. She we, drank him under the table. He was not <laughs> marriage material. Yeah. He was a lightweight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I would say that major character flaw aside, there wouldn't have been any reason she wouldn't want the more creative minded brother. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe she wants the successful one rather than the creative-minded yeah, layabout. It's a mustache. The cat-like mustache. I was about to say the same she, she, thing. She's got, he's, he's got this kind of hard exterior, but then she's, he's, you know, he plays the piano. He's got a softer side. He cares for his brother. Well, sure. Yeah. He did agree to take that decanter off the table. Or right. But, you know, you, you, might, from you might need that as an offering or a, or a thank you gift well, later. We didn't throw it out. <laughs> Just <laughs> moved it. Yeah. It. They got to characterize all these people and get all your backstory and everything in and out at sixty nine minutes. They do a great job. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will give them props for that because it didn't. Other than the ending being a little abrupt, it didn't feel rushed at any point no. to me. In fact, I actually thought that some of it seemed a little drawn out. Like we could have made this a little tighter. Like like the pacing of the movie in certain right. places. Sure, and that'll happen in even the shortest of movies. Sometimes the pacing in one section of it feels like wow we still on this well, i kind of like the slowness of it mm. it works the dream yeah. dreamy feel of it when you watch isle of the dead which is even more morbid oh even heavier atmosphere and that, that is really funereal and it, mm. it works you know it's deliberate it's not it's not boring slowness it's really all these people are doomed doomed <laughs> <laughs> doomed i say but it was a pleasure to watch. Yeah. I mean, aside from attitudes and inaccuracies and and sort of the, you know, colonial uh, paternalism, just the shooting mm-hmm. and the scenery and it, it wasn't, it didn't grate on you like, oh, and it looks terrible and, <laughs> you know. Right, right. No, I, th- I thought, uh, and it's not a challenge for me to enjoy a black and white movie at all. Yeah, but, this uh, is the guy who shot uh, Devil Thumbs a Ride. Mm-hmm. You know that one in uh, Crossfire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent film yeah. noir stuff. And, and he did uh, Mighty Joe Young. Oh, yeah, guys. that yeah. was a good one. Yeah. Um, now, we have less time left to talk about Serpent and the Rainbow, and maybe we really don't need as much. Um, of the two movies, um, and I know we can talk about a few other ones kind of briefly, of the two movies, I definitely liked I Walked With a Zombie Better. Mm-hmm. Um Aside from a few really cool, fun things that happened, like uh, young Bill Pullman wrestling with a jag, well, you you would say jaguar, wouldn't you, Julian? Jaguar. <laughs> ja- jaguar. It's a jaguar. Will you get it right? <laughs> oh, the car, I'd say jaguar, yeah. The jaguar. Yeah, but the car, I'd say jaguar. Jaguar. I usually say jaguar. I know some people say jaguar. I don't know where you get the wire. <laughs> there's no wire. There's no, there's no wire. There's no wire. That thing was a real animal. It was not controlled with strings. Um, other than that little wrestling scene. That, so the whole movie was just an ayahuasca trip, right? <laughs> it seemed like <laughs> I it. mean, he never really went to Haiti. Or or back to the U.S. or back to Haiti again. Yeah. Three, it seemed like he was there like every other weekend. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, he, he never came down off that. That was the whole problem. He was just tripping balls yeah. the whole time. He's fucking Bill Pullman. He can do what he wants. <laughs> and that was the best scene. I, that was the scene where I was jealous of Bill Pullman. Like, I want to wrestle with the Jaguar. Well, I, yeah. I haven't seen it in ages. I don't remember that scene at all. I remember he gets buried alive. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene where there's always jail cells with hands stretching out through the bars. Yeah, yeah. Which I felt might have been a nod back to another Val Luton movie called Bedlam, mm-hmm. where she's in the asylum and there's always hands coming out of the bars. But yeah, I, was, I remember those bits. Now, I, I can't say I that I didn't enjoy watching The Serpent and the Rainbow, because I did enjoy watching it. Wes Craven directed it, and he did a nice job of mm-hmm. creating some tension in places and creating some real horror in a couple other places when it's your first or second viewing. Um, having seen it a few times, I, I really wasn't startled by the things Gets that should have been startled. every time. <laughs> it does. Hey, <laughs> if there's a ghoulish hand coming out of your bowl of soup. Oh, um, that was great. That was cool. How much cocaine was Bill Pullman <laughs> doing when he made this? He seems so jumpy. And then they get to that dinner scene and the lady attacks him with the knife. She seemed like she was. She was coked up, too. Coked she was. Up it too. was. And she was wearing her 80s red dress. I was like, oh, oh you you overdid it. You way too many lines for you. Yeah. <laughs> You've ruined the dinner party. That's now, right. they do set they do set a tone of maybe this is going to be accurate, don't they? With the, the little text at the beginning where they talk about the the lead. In the legends of voodoo, the serpent is a symbol of the earth and the rainbow is a symbol of heaven. And between the two, all creatures must live and die. That's a very, very broad overview, isn't it? Sure. I mean, I, I wouldn't like it would never be anything that I would say or that you no. would read. But I mean, it's not objectionable either. It's like, well, OK, yeah, but I guess this, this sort of initiates the audience into a, a very, very general understanding that. Right. It does set it up for. Yeah, oh, this is going to be more accurate, you know. Mm. Is, isn't Dambala a serpent? Yes, figure? and he is he is a serpent figure. Um, he is one of the biggest and sort of highest spirits uh, mm-hmm. of Loire. Um And he is associated with the earth. So, and his wife, uh, Aida Wedo, is another serpent, and she is the rainbow. Mm. So... Oh, okay. So it's not wrong. It's just, you know how things are just kind of like, yeah, that's not wrong. It's just not what anybody would say, you right, know? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, and, and again, that's that's a, a fault of people writing things without understanding the things they're writing about. So, yeah, it doesn't start off. Like, it starts off and I'm a little like, well, I'm, I'm jaundiced about this whole thing going in. And I'm just sort of like, hmm. Now... Bill Pullman, and, and I will say that, like, if since we do have less time to talk about this movie, and maybe need less time to talk about this one, I will say that he gets some of the coolest visual imagery in the whole movie around him, like right around him, and and of course when he's tripping balls and and wrestling with the jaguar, uh, and then the weird thing where the guy pops out of the cloak and it's a different guy, <laughs> grimacing at him, and. Uh, the hands pull him underground. I mean, all this really was, cool shit happens. Awesome. Uh, he goes running through, of course, skulls on sticks, mm-hmm. you know, like as one does, as you would have. Um, uh, he's running, he's stumbling through a river with the skulls on sticks all around him and gets to the helicopter where the pilot's dead with worms crawling on him. And this imagery is all really good and fun. Uh, he can't fly a helicopter, apparently. 
No. But he can use a Jaguar as a GPS device. <laughs> Did you notice this? <laughs> yes, he followed it. Siri? <laughs> I mean, Jaguar? Well, you know, my, my real problem with the movie is it suddenly like takes this turn towards the end where they're like, we got to speed this up, people. And remember, we're supposed to be a real horror movie here. Mm. And it takes this almost like cartoony turn, like somebody else takes charge of the movie <laughs> at the end when he's fighting um, the... What's his face? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, this... This is a new movie now. He's moving chairs with his mind. Yes, and, and like, and the jaguar becomes like his Patronus. It's like this Harry Potter <laughs> move, moment where the jaguar kind of, like, glowing jaguar like leaps out of him. I'm like, oh, that's your Patronus. If you want to hear something really funny about this, okay, you remember that that bright red, brand new looking Coca Cola truck zips by and totally disses him and doesn't stop to help. He looks like shit. He looks like he needs help. Um, Less than 20 minutes later while I'm watching this, out my window I see a Coca-Cola truck go by, which wow. doesn't happen on my street very often. That's great. And yeah. you were like, no, I already know not to ask you for help. No, you, so you're your, just going to keep your, driving. Your spirit yeah. vehicle is a Coca-Cola. That's right. Now, if it crashed into a rum truck, that would have been hilarious. Ooh. Especially if it was stupid fucking YOLO rum. <laughs> YOLO's just down the street from me. <laughs> very short-sighted of them to name a rum after a very trendy catchphrase whatever um okay i don't want to also go beyond um you know glossing over parts about this movie without getting into specifically when bill pullman's character dr allen is back in boston okay he's leaving a church lighting a cigarette it's the church from the boondock saints oh apparently you're not allowed to leave that church without lighting a cigarette I think it's basically holy water on the way in, cigarette on the way out. Okay. Interesting. Just saying. Interesting. It was, it, I recognized it as the same church because of having made that. Because cigarettes can be offerings, can't they? Mm-hmm. Sure, the right? Spirits, absolutely. Okay. Cool. That's the hot part of the ceremony. Hot part, also the dead part. Oh. Uh, a lot of dead spirits, gay days, they like cigarettes. Now, um, we already talked earlier, we jumped over to talking about the, the voodoo ceremony was geared toward the tourists and... Uh, course tonight the spirits are happy and we're going to invoke the spirit who's probably not going to show up exactly you already uh, so we got some inaccuracies out of the way already talking about this um bill pullman's wife was the one who actually drove the needle through uh the the, oh, the dude's cheek was that who that was yeah they were newlyweds and okay. uh and i think they just said uh well we could throw her into a scene here's a big needle go do this for a moment in the carnival yes she gets to participate it's like Bill's doing some rails over here in his trailer, so uh, we got a second. <laughs> we joke. We don't know if he was snorting coke or not. Um, but uh, Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton, um, they were the two Bills were in everything back then, mm-hmm. and you could easily confuse one for the other. I think I just saw him in American Ultra. Wasn't he in that? He was, wasn't, wasn't he? he? One of the CIA. Yeah, I think bosses. he was. Yeah. Or was that Paxton? Damn it! That was Pullman. I love Bill Pullman and Aliens. <laughs> He's not an alien. <laughs> Wait, Paxton. He's not an aliens. Okay, was it Michael Sarah or Jesse Eisenberg? Jesse. He's not an alien. <laughs> You're getting really confused, Nick. I always get those two confused. <laughs> Jesse Eisenberg is in American Ultra. Right. Okay. <laughs> Just so it wasn't it wasn't Michael Sarah and uh, Bill Paxton. It was Bill Pullman and Jesse Eisenberg. Yes. 
it's like the Rubik's Cube of these actors. Throw a couple Baldwins in there <laughs> while we're at it. Um, I prefer my top shelf Baldwins. I don't, I don't like the... You don't like Steven? Steven, maybe. Mm. Definitely Alec, maybe Steven, but, you know, Chip and... No Billy. Slappy and Doc. I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, back to the movie. Uh, so... There's a, there's a really cool scene um, where this big Catholic ceremony turns into a candlelight parade through the jungle. Oh yeah. Not a thing that you would see in Haiti. I don't I don't know. Um, I didn't know quite. I mean, it looked like a pilgrimage. It did. So, totally possible. So, okay. So voodoo is is basically like lower is Vodun folded into Roman Catholicism to hide it. From the slavers. So that's the really simple explanation: is it hides it, but it's not. Uh, it doesn't hide much of anything. Any, almost every uh, typical ceremony, we call them fets, uh, which is a French word for party. You have a party mm. for a spirit. That's a nice. That is a um, as a payment. The spirit does something really big for you, uh, or you want them to do something really big for you. You might offer them a fet. Hmm. But back in the day when it was forbidden, didn't they, like, certain so, Catholic saints were substituted? Yes, and that is why we have so much Catholic imagery. However, it gets confusing. It's much more complicated than that. There are some Catholic saints, some virgins, mm -hmm. who are just themselves. Hmm. You know, I, I saw a big flag when I was last in Haiti for, uh, oh, I can't. Of course, my mind has just gone blank. But it was one of the virgins, and I said, oh, who's that? Uh, meaning, what spirit is that for? Like, oh, it's for her. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just for her herself. Okay. That's um, the Virgin of Mount Carmel uh, is the patron saint of Haiti. Okay. She uh, appeared at Soto, um, which is a waterfall. I've been there. There's a big church in the town nearby. And... When you go to Soto, you're going to honor her. You know, when I was in the church at Soto, I asked Mount Carmel for something. She gave it to me. I have to have a mass said there for her now. And I ask her for a totally voodoo thing. Uh-huh. Um, most major fets, we start off with uh, the Prie Guinan, uh, the prayer of Guinea. And... Um, Guinea is sort of the half-mythologized African homeland, you might say. It's a space where it's also the place where all the spirits live, or at least most of them. And that starts off, it's done in French, it's done in Napoleonic French, and it starts off with an Our Father, a Hail Mary, and it continues on until it switches to something a bit more African, which has more what we call langage, more African words in it. Um, there's even an, a song, a song prayer, that is directed to Mary, and it says something about, um, it's in honor of her, you know, Mary who captured the Africans. And the whole, like, gist of it is, is, hey, you're strong, you're powerful, you got us. We, we, we gotta, you know, acknowledge that. And so some of those Catholic elements are there. Hmm just simply because they're powerful. And it's like, I'm going to take that, so and I'm going to use it for me mm. and my side. So it's intertwined. It's really. very intertwined. You can't separate them. It'd there be we, impossible. There we have it. Right. 
That's awesome. That's I mean, that's a that's a really good way to understand it. I think, because a, lo- a lot of times, I think people mistake that there's something that is that is being misused or misunderstood, but it's really not. It's- exactly. Now, I mean, and it's just really confusing. There are times when I'm using the image for a saint of a saint for Loa, and I'm not. I have no connection to that saint. That that Catholic saint is nowhere in my mind or my intentions. And there are other times when, you know, St. Philomena is St. Philomena. What do you mean, who is she? She's her. <laughs> right. There's no mistaken identity. Yeah. That's really she's good. She's not a stand yet. No, she's not. She's, she is herself. Yeah. And there's, so there's a lot of, um, there's some saints and a lot of virgins, like I said, who are that. And it's because it's so intertwined. It's not just masks. Some of them mm. sure are masks, but some of them aren't. And so you can't, you can't undo them anymore. Now, um, as far as the movie goes, uh, did you have some favorite scenes in terms of imagery or the action that happened? Uh, or was the whole thing just sort of so silly it was hard to connect with? I, well, I liked the their Bokor. He was a, a an engaging actor and a, and a fun fellow all around. Which one was that? Um, oh, yeah. What was his name? The bad guy. Well, he was a good guy. He was a guy who actually sold him the powder. Oh. oh, cowboy hat guy. Yeah, um, with the oh, scars on his face. Yeah, what was that guy's name? Uh, I have it written down in my ridiculous notes. Um, hmm. Haitian Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and by the way, you know, you will find a lot of interesting things where you know uh, pagan traditions. Of course, uh, I think everybody listening to this would know this, um, but how pagan traditions were sort of retooled for to make them more palatable for christianity or to make christianity more palatable to pagans is probably a better way to say it um back when there was a lot of the uh well we got to sell this thing see and uh i think there though there's an element of sincerity uh maybe sincerity is the wrong word but there's an element i think and this is just my opinion of it's 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 midwinter it's the longest night of the year we we need to do something right you know, there's there's an urge to do something. There's still something mystical, right? That everyone can agree upon, unless, of course, you're a Protestant. Um, <laughs> then, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man, you just guys made it all boring, right? You know? Yeah, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got another ignorant question. What's the difference between voodoo and hoodoo? So hoodoo. Um, is an Mm -hmm. African-American magical tradition. Um, It works a lot with plants and plant spirits, and it's very, very Protestant. Okay. Um, It is getting your your hands washed or your head washed at church and then um, going and um, maybe chewing a certain root or carrying a jack ball for luck and vigor um, you know, getting a, someone you would call a doctor or a mother or somebody to so this is do a the, trick for you to get out of a court case. This mm-hmm. is very American. And because it's very American and it's very Southern, um, at least where it starts, it's very, very Protestant. You have a mm-hmm. lot less saint imagery. Uh, New Orleans would be the exception. Um, it's much more about Jesus. Mm-hmm and making Jesus work for you, and much more about plant spirits. And is that 
Is that where the like mojo hand and the mojo pin come yes. from? Yes. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Which uh, a hand is just a bag with a exactly a mojo hand, a Toby. Uh, yeah. Mm, it's not like the glory hand in. No, it's in a little European bag. Witchcraft. That you, yeah, no, it's not a, that literal. You mm-hmm. could have a, a finger bone in it on mm-hmm. a certain type, but yeah. Okay. So, so, so voodoo is, but then voodoo is this different thing that mm-hmm. I've been talking about that we've been seeing that's about all these spirits. And actually, it's a whole different. Um, the magic is very different, the, the okay. magical techniques and things like that. And it's also very petition-based. Like, I rarely do anything special. I usually just show up with gifts and a favor to ask. Right. You know. Now, the uh, cowboy hat guy that we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. when he was being um, insincere about his voodoo powder that was actually rat poison, mm-hmm. did that seem to you that because he thought he was dealing with someone who was uh, disingenuous at first before he discovered? I mean, I kind of read the character that way. Like, well, that made sense to me. I mean, some dude shows up and wants, like, this big deal stuff. Let's scam the tourist. Why not? Yeah. I'm not under no obligation mm-hmm. to help this guy. I mean, I know. I am under an obligation to make some money today, though. Right. <laughs> well, just like the guys, um, I had a coworker at a, at a photo lab slash camera shop where I worked who uh, had someone throw fake vomit on him in uh, Rome and then steal his backpack. Ew. Or something Ew. like that. So someone comes up, oh, that's terrible. Let me help you. And then mm. someone else either, you know, grabs mm. grabs the whole backpack or grabs something from him and runs away. Nice. I love a good con job. Yeah. And apparently, you know, these kinds of things happen everywhere that there's tourism. So not surprising. Yeah. You don't know these people. They're not your people. How right. do you care? Yeah. <laughs> stupid, nice. stupid tourists. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to show up at Mount Rushmore? Guess what we're going to do? Um, sell you a souvenir. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Um, I mean, straight out of the gate, you're asking for zombie powder? Okay. Yeah, come yeah. on. Zombie powder. Hey, man, you know where I can get some zombie powder? <laughs> Bill Pullman's looking for zombie powder. I like that they... And I <laughs> wink, wanted, wink. That's not, that's not Coke, Bill. <laughs> uh, in, in the... I walked with the zombie, I wondered. They mentioned the drink, the zombie. Yes. And I was like... Did they make that drink up for the movie? Is that some No, because that was the first time a lot of people had heard the term zombie. Was oh, from okay. the drink in like in the like late twenties, yeah, circa nineteen thirty. So that a lot of people heard of the drink before they heard of. The... Oh, okay. That makes sense. That sort of heyday of the cocktail, and it's a pretty good cocktail. Right. Sure, yeah, you can. That's not yeah. a bad thing. And of course, yeah. post World War Two, it was very popular in the tiki bars, mm-hmm. the Trader Vic kind of places. Yeah. Sure. So um, long, long tradition of boozing it up in the name of uh, the Walking Dead, or the uh, whatever we would call them, uh, the the unfortunate uh, enslaved, entranced. Uh, let's see what else. Jolene, did you have any favorite visuals about this movie? Uh, yeah, those two or, scenes I recalled, like him being buried alive, was pretty intense. And, yeah, and the scene with the hands, the, the coffin filling up with blood. Yeah, yeah. Oh, by the way, coffin and casket. Um, for any listeners who don't know the difference, uh, a coffin is the one that um, sort of uh, has that shape to it that pushes your feet together, and a casket is the more rectangular box. Yeah, good to know. That's a wow. thing. Yep, that's a thing. Wow. I don't, I don't even remember where I learned that, but I learned that along the way. I'm like, what the hell's the difference? Why do we have two words for things? Mm-hmm. 
What country is this? We have two words for things. Two words. Different spellings. Yes, because they're better. More than my room. Yeah, there you go. You know, when, when you need to kind of turn on your side a bit yeah. after the wake is over, you know, you've got room. And was it Victorian times when they had the little thing with the bell? The bell and the string? Yeah. yeah. There's a big fear of being buried alive. And that's yeah. why in I case we make a mistake. Especially Whoops. in uh, Germany, there was this village that was like really, really paranoid about catalepsy. They were having a whole series of people oh. being buried alive and you know getting staked <laughs> because people thought they were vampires and not through the scrotum like bill pullman got <laughs> no well, the stake uh, uh originally was was just to nail the sucker down so that you could chop their head off oh yeah. man <laughs> It wasn't the death weapon in itself. That's just the, a practical tool. You know? Yeah, right. Chomping the head off. Hold still now. <laughs> so they take them out to a crossroads and, and stick them in there so that they couldn't find their way back. That's kind of cool. That was wise. Yeah. That was wise. Wow. So, uh... Yeah, Europeans get short shrift on a lot of uh, this folklore and... Um, especially German folklore, you know, speaking of, of hoodoo and crossroads, there's a big tradition of going to meet a man at a crossroads or a yeah. devil. Um, but it? they have it in Germany too, only they describe Der Teufel as this sort of, mm, he looks like a big black dog sometimes, mm -hmm. but he's not very smart. You can easily trick him. Oh. You know, well, he, he's that's not, nice. You know, he's not really this, he's not the big S, you know, nor is he a big scary figure. It's just like, yeah, you can get him to do some stuff, but, and he'll, you'll try to make a deal with you, but he, you can get out of that. <laughs> oh, it's good to know. Stuff that could come in handy. Yeah, doesn't hoodoo have, uh, I don't know, some, I guess, European roots there? Yes. Some... Yeah, magic and, from and some of that does come German from German magic. Yes, like they use dolls more, and that's more of a European thing, and probably where they got it. Mm. Um, much voodoo doesn't really use dolls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you and had that big seat. German population before the Americans kicked them out. Yeah, pre-war. Jolien, you have um, a pretty a pretty deep knowledge of uh, different movies about voodoo, whether whether accurate or not. Um, what are some favorites? Uh, well, I Walk the Zombie is probably my favorite. Uh, uh, I enjoy watching uh, like Live and Let Die. Uh, <laughs> very entertaining. Uh, I don't expect it's at all accurate. <laughs> and this is all filmed on a British studio backlot. You know, same with... Um, uh, there's one in uh, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors where like Roy Castle stumbles upon this ceremony going on and, and he's so inspired by the music. He, he's this like jazz musician character and that he, uh, he picks up some of the rhythms and he takes them back and appropriates them for his jazz music and it, and it brings down a curse on his head. <laughs> um, As it will. Yeah, so yeah, you don't want to mess with that stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I Walk With a Zombie is probably my favorite. What are some other ones that you kind of enjoy? The uh, um, White Zombie. Yeah, Bela Lugosi classic. Yeah, it's another slow, dreamy thing. And it takes like imagery directly from the um, the uh, Magic Island book. If, if you look at the Alexander King illustrations, you know, of the zombies coming down the horizon in silhouette, you see that pretty near the start of White Zombie. Right. Uh, yeah, a lot of the imagery in that movie is from the book, all the photographs. Like, these were the first photographs that any Westerner had seen of the uh, various practitioners and the accoutrements. Right. Yeah, so that's interesting to watch, you know, even if it's just from a historical perspective as the first Hollywood zombie movie, voodoo movie. Right. 
Um, Eugenia, do you have any knowledge of actual zombies having been spotted, having been seen or communicated with or enslaved and put to work? So um, there's two types of zombies that I, as I understand it. There's the type that uh, our movies have covered. Right. Which is, and, and just sort of point of fact, and I think uh, Serpent the Rainbow kind of touches on it, but then they don't. Zombification is a, a like serious punishment, the, the type that happens to these people that we're watching. Right. Um, you don't really do it to people who owe you money or <laughs> people who are cheating on you or, you know, it's, it's like a big deal. And it's done by secret societies. Okay. Um, very specific sorceress secret societies who act as an unofficial source of justice and police work. So it's a big deal a very very big deal to have this happen sure it seems very serious you know and and so it's not just going to happen because your mother-in-law is mad at you (laughs) (laughs) now if someone really powerful perhaps you know wants some piece of land that you own uh, but there's probably other ways to have bad things happen to you too but they would probably bring something bad down on themselves misusing something that way or not no we don't have that karmic idea and besides they would probably just you know straight up take it from you if they were that powerful why go to all the the trouble right okay Mm -hmm. but anyway serious punishment done by secret societies not um classic voodoo at all in classic voodoo what you get are astral zombies uh spirits of people who are already dead um captured and put to spiritual work and gay days who are um loa but they are former dead people Okay. As opposed to Loa, who maybe have never had a human history. Um, and there's a spe- specific class of Loa. They, off- they will, from time to time, certain ones will show up and say, I have zombies for sale. Do you? Oh. Want-? Yeah, and I have had, um, there's, a, there's a gay day uh, in our lineage who does this. And he will show up mm. from time to time and be like, I have a lot of zombies. <laughs> in fact, I'm running a two for one deal. <laughs> nice. but he wants like, gosh, he wants like seven hundred thousand dollars for these things or something like that. So no one ever buys Plumage's zombies. Oh, even a two for one deal. I mean, he, he wants a lot of money. Maybe not that much. Maybe it's more like seventy thousand dollars. But still, so is this kind of a Craigslist deal? He has a photo. Uh, no, and... he'll sh- yeah, he'll show up. He'll, you know, if you want to make a deal, and you're like, I need a zombie to you know do all my marketing or. Mm-hmm. Get me clients or whatever. You know, talk to Plumage. He'll he'll hook you up for a price. That's, that is so awesome. There, there's, there's a little distinction there. But these right. are people who have already died. And, and yeah. Plumage has just gone to the cemetery and captured them and shoved them in a bottle. So they, they exist only on the astral plane and only on not on this plane. earthly plane Correct. at all. Okay. Correct. Wow. They that... will not be chopping any sugar cane or pulling any weeds or... Mm, there you... Yeah. I think the earthly ones, you're probably going to run into more trouble with them. A bit more practical, though. But the, Yeah, but you, the rewards will probably be uh, more tangible. Yes, yes, much now, more tangible. we only have a few minutes left, um, so let me uh, tease this for next episode. If all goes well, we should have a guest named Luke, who is um, a Green Beret, which means he is well-trained uh, in guerrilla warfare, um, conventional warfare, and... Uh, 
very good working knowledge of what would you do if the baddies were coming to get you, if they were laying in wait Zombie for you, baddies? any kind, you name it. Right. We <laughs> I even we even about ghosts and the devil. We were going to ask devil. what would you do. So we are going to have some Q and A with Luke um, talking about. Uh, what are some good tactics for fortification? What are some good tactics for improvised munitions? What would you do? So, um, Will he set up a Claymore mine in your backyard? Uh, he probably, well, he easily could. He probably doesn't have them with him. Um, <laughs> those are in the trunk. Okay. <laughs> he, he usually leaves them I in the car. I got those out in the car. I'll go bring one <laughs> All in. All right, good. Uh, but he's, he's a super nice guy. Uh, you, you wouldn't, other than his sheer size and strength as a human being, Outside of that, you wouldn't really expect that he's this guy, but he is this guy. I guarantee you. And uh, we'll have him on the show, and it should be interesting. It'll be um, a nice thing to coincide with uh, welcoming back The Walking Dead for people who watch it and always shake their heads at how badly these folks screwed up uh, whatever it was they were trying to do to keep the zombies out or to put a stop to them. Uh, so th- th- this should be fun. Right. But we will talk about some movies as well, say Dawn of the Dead, mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead, some ways in which things were done correctly or incorrectly or could have been done differently. So there we have that. Anyone have anything you want to add before we're out of here? No, I don't think so. Cool. Well, uh, again, Eugenia, thank you for joining us and shedding some light on all of this. Thank you. You're welcome. It was a lot of fun. We may do this again sometime. And, uh, of course, we want to also thank the Moonrays for giving us the intro creature features at the top of the show. Find them at themoon-rays.com or buy their music on iTunes or Amazon. Um, thank you for joining us, listeners. If you please could rate, review, and subscribe, that's the easiest way to get us some, um, get us some notice and get other people who might dig this show to uh, find it. Uh, iTunes is a good directory. There's other ones, too. So rate, review, subscribe, please. Uh, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.